you are nature and it's your birthright to connect with nature and connect to wild places. And whether you live in a city or really like urbanized place, or whether you already live in the bush, there's some cool little things you can do looking at your life cyclically and um, it help you sort of make those tweaks to align and, and become more nature connected in your own lives. You're listening to the Well Woman Podcast. I'm your host, Gemma Lee, women's menstrual cycle educator, natural fertility coach, and daytime mermaid. This is a place where we discuss all things periods, poo, ovulation, fertility, and sex. Join me weekly as we rediscover our menstrual cycles, unlock its superpowers, and guide you back into your cyclical nature. You're tuning in to episode 231 of the Well Woman Podcast. Thank you for being here. This episode actually wraps up a bit of a series that we've had since earlier this year around interviewing beautiful guests on amazing different topics before next episode at 2.32, which comes out next week, we start a new mini series on menstruation stories. And so before we get there, we have this beautiful topic today on nature's cycles within the menstrual cycle with a very dear sister and friend of mine, Caitlin Sky Weatherstone. We had the beautiful honor last year of journeying together through a 12-month inversion Um, inversion, immersion course, I should say. And in this episode, I've invited Caitlin to come onto the show to talk about the cycles that happen in nature. Now, the reason why I've reached out to Caitlin to do this is because she's the owner of Life Wild, and she's the only person I know who is so connected with earth and country that knows intricately the food that the earth produces in the wild. We're talking about living in the bush off nothing. And this truly is inspiring. And she has a deep, deep love for nature. She's passionate about sharing women's wisdom. And she believes that we are all combined with nature and evolving. So she's got studies in wildlife ecology, conservation science, education and nature guiding, compassionate communication, shamanic womancraft, and so much more more. So in this episode, Caitlin uses her nature connection guide skills to guide us through what nature cycles are and how we can connect with them to help amplify our menstrual cycle health. At the very end, we talk about bleeding on the earth and what that actually means and what they can bring out. We talk about the seasons around the world and the seasons of cycles between the Northern Hemisphere and the Southern Hemisphere and the celebrations and festivals that occur in reference to each of these seasons, along with the Sabbaths and our inner cycle seasons. She also talks a lot about the light of the sun and the moon and the moon cycle. And I absolutely love these types of conversations. We had a couple of glitches with audio. So bear with us as we bring all of this episode together for you. And I trust you're going to enjoy it because it really is a fantastic episode. And this is something that I know that a lot of people are unfamiliar with. And Caitlin has some really beautiful skills and tips at helping you reconnect with nature, even if you live in an apartment. Caitlin, welcome to the Well Woman podcast. Hi, Gemma. Thanks for having me. It is an honor. I love you, sister. We have been journeying together over the last year and a half, and I'm so honored to have you, especially because I don't know of another female wandering menstrual woman who is as connected to nature as what you are. And I could tell so many stories, but I won't yet, yet. So I'll pass it over to you. Tell us what day of recycle are you on and how are you checking in today? Oh, thanks. Lovely. Yeah, we have had fun together over the last year and a half on our shamanic women craft journey. I am sitting at day cycle 25. So definitely in the down, in the downing end, in the descending end, feeling quite tired today. I just um, finished uh, a wild women immersions. We had 40 women out in the bush for the last 10 days running a full program from sunrise to past sunset and um, I had a lot of energy. I was ovulating, it was full moon, it was great vibes and now I'm definitely like, hmm, yep, I'm the tired end of that one, <laughs> ready for a rest. I hear you, especially after doing something so big like that. Yeah. Now, I know you'd love to do a welcome to country to kick us off because this is so you and I love that. So is that something you'd still like to do? Yeah, I just really wanted to acknowledge um, the traditional owners of the land that I'm on. And I thought that your listeners might like to acknowledge 
the traditional lands where they are as well. Um, so I'm on Bundjalung country in the north coast of New South Wales, just down the road from you. Yes. And yeah, I'd just like to send out some um, some love to all the traditional owners that are here and still practicing their culture and that, that have mentored me and, you know, so connected to the land and their ancestors for, you know, the last 80,000 plus forever years. And I also wanted to shout out uh, to everybody out there, like your ancestors as well, like where where you come from. So our line of ancestry, whether we're from sort of Celtic countries, European countries or anywhere else in the world, um, those of us who were born in Australia. Um, yeah, I want to shout out to your people as well and where you come from, because I think it's really beautiful that we can all merge together. Mm, and we can work as a society together. It's surprising to some, but we can. Yeah, I hope for that for the future for sure. Mm, and I just want to like, I know so much about you in so many beautiful ways. And I'd love for everyone to get to know you before we talk about these beautiful cycles that we're going to explore with nature today with you. But I'm just going to preface this for everyone because I think I'm going to do a better example at sharing this story than Caitlin because she's probably going to dumb it down. But I don't know another woman who would walk barefoot through Arnhem Land, which is northern North Northern Territory in Australia. We're talking yep. like you need a permit to get into this land. It's Indigenous run it always was their land, always will be their land. And she becomes one living on the land, off the land. And I just want to preface this with a hilarious story that completely explains who you are and how you operate. Is that last year together when we were on our vision quest, we were quite close in our camping spots. Couldn't see each other, but we could kind of hear each other from a distance. And while we were finding our spots, I got bitten by the biggest fucking fire ant. Is it? Was it a fire ant? Like a fire ant. I think, yeah, it was those big red ants, a jumping yeah. jack. They're really aggressive. Very aggressive. I got bitten by this ant that's probably the size of an inch, like four centimetres. And I'll never forget, Caitlin's like, I've got the antidote. She runs into the bush out of nowhere, pulls out this whole plant. We're talking like a sapling, so something that's probably like 80 centimetres grown out of the ground, so well-established roots. She grabs the roots, rubs it with her fingers, and she's like, you need to make it soapy. She makes this soapy paste from these roots and then rubs it on my leg where I got bitten by the by the ant, which was stinging like a mofo. And in that moment, within like a couple of minutes, it had gone, like just dissipated and I was in chronic pain at that time and I will never forget because I was just I just remember looking at being like who the f are you like I this is cool I want to and I was like I'm so glad that you are only like 100 200 meters from where I'm camping alone for four days in the bush with nothing but some water and some almonds so this is who Caitlin is so do you want to describe who you are and how you got into this amazing work with nature and the the deep work that you have with culture here in Australia yeah oh so funny um yeah just your friendly <laughs> wild witch just to help you when you have have an ant bite yeah so originally I studied wildlife ecology and I've worked as a wildlife ecologist uh on and off for most of my career so the last 20 years or so um went from being like a zookeeper and you know doing all the animal things and presentations and then wildlife caring, so looking after lots of baby animals, and then working in not-for-profit space in conservation, and now I work for local government in um, threatened species conservation. And so my, yeah, that's sort of my bread and butter job that I sort of have to do to, to pay rent. Um, a side my, job of being a wild yeah. witch. <laughs> it funds the other fun stuff. Um, and then the other fun stuff is, you know, helping women and children connect with nature. So I run um, nature connection programs. I have a little bush school, which is really fun. I have 10 four-year-old children uh, one day a week. And then um, I run these immersive programs for women and short day workshops as well in um, nature connection, bushcraft, weaving, wild foods, um, how to make primitive fire. So making fire with your hands. And um, yeah, I just want to be outside as much as humanly possible. Like Everywhere in life, every turn is just like, go outside, go outside, go outside. So anything outside, you know, hiking, exploring, diving, climbing, I'm into it. And when you think of Caitlin camping, she's not camping with a tent and a blow-up mattress and a beautiful pillow and a nice duna cover. She's camping in a hammock 
hanging between two trees, wild out there in nature. I love my hammock and I it's it draws a lot of attention actually when I go camping. People are like, Oh, how are you in like that's not comfortable? I'm like, it's the most comfortable thing I've ever slept in. It's more comfortable than my bed at home. I've been spending the last five nights sleeping on the literally on the ground in a shelter that we built with the women we're on the immersion with. And um my job was I facilitated them to stay out in the wild shelters every night that we built, um, just to, you know help their confidence and empower them to you know sleep wild and I was sleeping just with a sleeping bag on the ground every night I literally came home last night in my bed and I woke up incredibly sore from my bed I was like (laughs) I'm sore sleeping in a bed than on the floor for five days so take me back to the floor to the to the ground I thought you were going to be like, so I hung the hammock up inside the house between the lounge room (laughs) and the kitchen just to get a bit of elevation Um, but that's so you. And that's one of the big things I absolutely love about you. Cause you just, yeah, you are truly connected and I've never met anyone else ever in like all of the travels I've done all over the world and all over Australia, who is that connected to nature. And it's so inspiring. And today we're talking about the cycles of nature and how they connect with us as humans and particularly menstruators and women. Cause I think we have a deep cycle cyclic connection. I froth on all this shit. I know all the stuff you're about to share, but our listeners don't. So do you want to tell us like what are the cycles of nature and how do you see us as menstruators connect with those cycles of nature? Yeah. Oh, there's just so much in this. I'm like, you know, why do we even care about this? Like, why do we need to connect the cycles? It's just like, it is our human nature, right? So we are nature. We're not separate from nature. We're human animals. And just like every other animal out there, every other living thing out there, we have a place in the ecology, in nature. And so humans have this really important role. Um, we're sort of the the engineers of, of the land. We, we're able to like move whole landscapes, just like ants and elephants can as well. Even scrub turkeys, you know, look how much leaf litter they're moving around. Um, humans have this great capacity for for shaping landscapes. And so we have a really important role in the, in the ecology of this place as well. Depending where you live, if you're in the Southern Hemisphere like me or up in the Northern Hemisphere, um, which is obviously opposite. So we're in spring at the moment, uh, just entering spring and our Northern Hemisphere friends are just entering autumn. So whether you know it or not, you are affected by the cycles of nature every second of every day. And um, yeah, I like to remind um women and menstruators especially that you know you are affected by this stuff whether you know it or not it's happening it's happening all around us um if you go outside right now you'll see the the weather is shifting the landscape is shifting um as we move from one season to another so i i saw two snakes mating or fighting or something yesterday they were just attacking each other um it's either a very like um interesting foreplay tactic or it was two males like going for it but they were like pushing each other's heads down and one would go higher and then it would push its other the other one's head down and two tiger snakes um sort of in this battle and I just went oh yeah that is the indicator to me that it's very much spring you know and in in our area we've had lots of other signals the whales are almost disappearing they're heading back down to Antarctica so we say goodbye to the whales a lot of the wattle is finishing its bloom. I know. I'm had, pretty sad about yeah, that. We've had beautiful yellow wattle flowering. Um, and so there's lots of indicators. The wind has changed direction as well. And we've been getting thunderstorms. Um, so we've been getting these early spring thunderstorms that indicate, okay, something's shifting in the landscape. It's, it's been really dry up until this point. And, you know, we can feel it in our skin and we can feel it in our body that spring is about to Spring. like we feel a bit more energized and like oh okay like I need to get out in the world a little bit more like what projects can I start yeah so there are so many levels to this cyclical living and of course they're you know on a macro scale like worldwide and seeing you know the seasonal shifts and then our daily cycles so looking at the sun cycle so when we wake up in the morning we get that beautiful sun on our face and we're producing um, melatonin and serotonin and all those happy hormones when the 
sun hits our face in the morning. Um, that helps us to go to sleep at night as well at a decent time. And then, you know, we're of course affected by the moon, our lunar monthly cycle, that uh, 28 and a half day cycle, of course, that our menstrual cycle is is in tune with. So currently I'm bleeding on the new moon and ovulating on the full moon. And if we're living really connected to nature, a lot of nature connected cultures, they live in this way. So you're having your retreat time, you know, at the, at the new moon, it's the darkness, we're going inward. And then when you're ovulating, you're like, whoa, having a party, going to have sex, going to make babies. It's all like, you know, that 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 spring, that summer energy. Um, so yeah, there's these daily, weekly, monthly, and yearly cycles that all of Earth's creatures are influenced by. And we're not any different to that, which is pretty cool. It's very cool. And I think it's always funny when people think we are so separate. Like we, I love to remind people that we are animals, you know, and that we live so much more amplified to earth when we, we spend time connecting with earth, whether that's surrounding yourself in the forest for a walk or walking by a creek or a river or walking on the beach or being in some submission of water, whether that's a river, a dam, the ocean, it really connects you on a, on a deeper level. And I think the more you do that, the more the amplification of that is felt. And I know for me, after spending three months across the top end of Australia last year, living in a tent, oh, so connected to nature and just like sun's down, you're down, the sun's up, you're up, you know, and it's such a beautiful, really, really humbling and beautiful experience that I, I actually wish for everyone to have a chance in their lifetime to experience, you know, at least three full moon cycles in nature um, oh, to experience, you know, three new moons or three full moons. Like that's magical, really, really magical. So what do you want, where do you want to go to from here? Like, do you want to talk about how our cycle in nature and the outer world shows up in our inner world do you want to talk about that with the menstrual cycle yeah yeah I'd love to and also just you know with that and I loved what you said it's worth mentioning that you know our ancestors have been doing this forever right so it's only been like 0.001% of the whole of humanity's history over the last million or so years our early human ancestors um yeah, became sort of like us about a million years ago. And then Homo sapiens came on the scene about 300,000 years ago. So for most of human history, we have been living in the forest or, you know, on the tundra or in the meadow or on the coast, um, not inside four walls, maybe times of the year when you had to like get shelter from the extreme weather, but our lifestyles were completely outdoors. So whether you're sleeping on grass and hay and, you know, eating wild foods and, you know, you're intimately connected with the cycles. So just remember that that was for most of human history. So all of our ancestors, no matter, no matter where your ancestry is from, they've only really recently since like the Industrial Revolution, since the colonisation of Australia in my, my Australian context, um, had this sort of modern way of living thanks to, you know, the patriarchy and colonialism and the industrial revolution um, and all these so-called like progressions in our society. Um, But before that, you know, we lived by candlelight, you know, when it was dark, you went to sleep. And if you wanted to see something, you had this beautiful ambient, you know, soft light um, that didn't interfere with, you know, your your melatonin production. So you could actually mm-hmm. go to sleep at night. So yeah, just a reminder to everybody out there that like, this is who we are on a cellular level. And our brains really haven't changed much. They're quite, um, they're very complex, of course, but they're still quite primitive. Like I was using the example the other day, I was, I was harvesting wild food for a group and we we're chatting about sugar. Like, you know, sugar was so rare in nature and that's why we still crave it. We think that little, you know, we see that little Davidson plum hanging in the tree um, and our mouths start to salivate. So like, oh, sugar. It was so rare for many of that. Or a honey sack. Oh, yeah. Exactly. Your whole hand in that and sucking on all your fingers, getting all that (laughs) native bee honey. Oh, my God. Yum. Yes. (laughs) So yeah, our brains are still so primitive that when we see sugar, 
we think that we need it. We need it, we need it, we need it, even though we can so quickly get that fixed now. And um, yeah, our brains are still tricking us into thinking that we really need this thing that was really, really rare in nature. Um, even though it's everywhere we turn now, there's just sugar in absolutely everything. And, um, you know, we're all, of course, overdosing on it and it's not good for us. So, um, yeah, our brains can trick us a little bit in that. But um, we're still so connected to these practices, these nature connection practices and these parts of ourselves that really we've just we've forgotten. So our ancestors were practicing these things you know, really, really recently in terms of time. So it's a drop in the ocean um, that we've been in this industrial revolution so, um, yeah, I just like to remind people of that. You are nature and it's your birthright to connect with nature and connect to wild places. And whether you live in a city or really like urbanized place or whether you already live in the bush, there's some cool little things you can do looking at your life cyclically and um, you help you sort of make those tweaks to align and, and become more nature connected in your own lives. So yeah, we can dive into those, some of those things if you like. Please. How do you, Let's I'm do sure it. there's all these people who are like, <laughs> I live in a city in a, in a in an apartment and I'd love to grow herbs, but I don't even have a balcony. Um, yeah. Like those kinds of people, but also those who are menstruators who are like, yeah, you know, I have a deep calling. I think I know you would agree with this is that you really need to listen to your womb and listen to your intuition. Like if you have a deep calling that nature is calling you, and it needs you or, you know, it, you want to be surrounded in nature, but you don't know how to make that happen. What are the ways yeah. we can connect with nature to bring nature to us, not just always have to go into nature? Yeah, yeah. That's such a beautiful question. And it's actually so simple. It's so, so simple. We don't have to buy expensive equipment or like drive for miles and miles and miles or get hiking boots and like learn how to camp because a lot of women that I chat to, they're like, oh, I'm, I'm too scared to go hiking by myself or I'm too scared to go um, camping by myself. And, you know, those fears are totally valid. If you don't know what you're doing, you shouldn't like put yourself in those situations because they can, you know, things happen. Mm -hmm. um, you know, it's nice to get a group of girlfriends together who want to, you know, do these things with you and get a hiking buddy. Um, but yeah, for those of you that are living, you know, in the city or finding it really difficult to access um, parts of nature, we don't need these like really wild spaces or national parks in order to do that. We can bring it down to such a basic level. And so every day we're blessed with the cycle of the sun, right? So the sun rises in the morning, usually around 6am, depending on where you are in the world, but usually it's around 6am and it sets around 6pm at night. So we've got this beautiful time during the day that we can connect with light and light is actually one of the most foundational, basic things that indicate human health um, that's out there. And there's a lot of research about this coming out now about how important light is to our brains, to our hormone production, mm -hmm. our menstrual cycles, like massively. And so a really, really simple practice that you can do is simply just looking at the sunrise every morning Love and it. looking at the sunset every afternoon and what that does is it floods your body with all the appropriate hormones that you need to wake up in the morning and then to go to sleep at night and that does a whole host of things to our hormones that's super super important for you know fertility and just general health so connecting with light is such a basic fundamental thing and like people bang on about it and like you know they wear the blue blocker glasses and you know there's all these things you can buy now but um, yeah, that's a really, really basic thing is just connecting with our sun cycle every day. And then you'll notice over time, there's this beautiful thing that happens when it's approaching summer and the summer solstice, which is the longest daylight in the year. So the longest day in the year, um, the days are getting longer and longer and longer. And then after the summer solstice, the days are getting shorter and shorter and shorter until we hit the winter solstice, the deep winter which is our shortest day of the year, which just means the sun rises the latest and sets the earliest. So we get the shortest number of hours of actual daylight. Um, and our ancestors were all watching this. They were so into the cosmos, like massively. It's where astrologies come from. There's Aboriginal Australian communities here that, are, that have like documented over 3,000 stars. And that's like that they know 
Like there's just been so much cultural information that's been lost from this country particularly. But um, everybody, all our ancestors were looking at the stars all the time and looking at the sun and looking at the moon and they knew exactly what was going on based on based on those things. And so, yeah, connecting with the sun, really important. Connecting with the moon as well. So I've found this to be a really beautiful practice is just every night before you go to bed, go outside and just see what the moon's doing. <laughs> look up. Just go outside and look up. You might see some other beautiful, amazing things too. Um, and, you know, we always feel better when you look up and you see a starry sky, you just you just can't be angry or upset anymore. Oh you know, at all the all the things that happened that day or that week, it's just like, oh, so nice. <laughs> Nothing um, compares to waking yeah. up in the middle of nowhere with no artificial light seen oh. anywhere, and getting up to do a midnight wee. You're doing your <laughs> poppy squatty, and you're looking up, and it's just like whoa look at the stars and you feel like you're in a space movie like it just blows my mind does it ever every time it's like oh it's amazing and so that's one way that we can connect with nature is just see you know see what the stars are doing see what the moon's doing because these uh bodies you know so they're they're planets that are obviously sitting sitting off planet earth but we're all influencing each other right the energies of the different planets are influencing us where their position is in the sky they're influencing us if they're closer if they're further away um obviously the moon is a massive one so if the moon is approaching full or new that's pulling the water down to our poles which is giving us super super low tides and super super high tides um, if you've paid attention to the tides, if you live on the coast, um, you'll notice that they really, really fluctuate a lot around that that full and new moon, and that's called a neap tide. So the spring tide is like the normal equal length tides, and the neap tide is when they go super, super low, super, super high. And people don't know these things are all connected. It's like once you start doing these cycles together and overlapping them, you just go, what that's connected to that is connected to that is connected to that. What the it's hell? Like being a kid and singing that song, you know, your thigh bones connected to your hip bone, your hip bones connected to your yeah, like just it goes on and that's on and amazing. on. That's amazing. I know, and the fact that like our menstrual cycles are tied in with the moon just also blows my mind. And yeah, as your listeners may know, there's only a couple of animals on planet Earth that actually menstruate. So it's humans, of course, um, because orcas. And one of the primate species. Um, so, you know, we've given this amazing opportunity. We can cycle with the moon uh, exactly the same cycle length on average, of course. Everyone's got different cycle lengths. But on average, it's 28 days. And that's the cycle of the moon. And so in looking up at the moon, just like our ancestors did, we know where in the lunar cycle we are. We know, obviously, if the, um, if the moon is becoming full, you know, you might get more energy. You hear about, you know, there's there's extra um, police patrols out of the full moon or whatever the it's stories are crazy about. On the full moon. Yeah, and that's where the Lunatics. word lunatic came from. Yep. <laughs> yeah. So as we're approaching full moon, you know, energetically in our bodies, we might be feeling more energetic as well. We might be feeling like clarity. Things in our lives have become illuminated to us. Maybe we, you know, have some really serious revelations and realizations about things in our lives and it's a great time to journal that as well as the full moon is peaking and then you know when it starts um waning when it starts getting smaller um, we might feel that drop in energy we might be entering our luteal phase of course and slowing down and beginning to rest and really really winding things down as we begin to bleed and then going into bleeding time is the dark moon so um, completely black sky before we see the, the little crescent. Very dark. Yeah. Um, yeah, the dark moon and then switches over to new moon and we can have, you know, beautiful um, realizations or I definitely do and having moments of inner reflection, just like, oh, what changes can I make this month? Or like, how am I feeling this month? Um, you might make, make plans for the next month. It's a, a new beginning. Um, it's a new cycle. And um, 
Yeah, the, the more and more that you connect with the moon and look at the moon, you might notice actually your cycle, your menstrual cycle might start changing a little bit as well because it's like, oh, those little hormones are switching on. When we're inside all night, when we're sort of indoors and we're watching TV, we're on our phones, might be watching the latest season of whatever. <laughs> I tried to watch, I tried to watch them just like that. And I'm trying to get, I'm trying to get into it because apparently it's really good. The new Sex in the City. So we might be watching TV and then, you know, all these different lights are flooding our eyes and flooding our brains than if we were sitting outside. So yeah, just remembering before you go to bed, we're winding down. We want to have a good night's sleep. So connecting in with the moon and the stars um, might help us to do that as well. And that's, yeah, that comes back to that light thing. So light being really important or, you know, a lack of light in the evening can be really, really supportive for women who are particularly trying to have a really restful night, have a good night's sleep. My um, my holistic doctor calls it um, sleep hygiene. It's like, how's your sleep hygiene going? <laughs> like, what's that? But yeah, it's just making sure you're getting enough light um, during the day and then and not sitting indoors all day. That helps too. Go outside. And what are, where else are we up to with our cycles? So we've talked about the moon. We've talked about the sun. Oh, something else really cool that we can then start to add layers onto this cycle, like a map, right? This is a perpetual map that never ends, right? This is a, a cyclical way of living that, you know, daily, weekly, monthly, um, seasonally, and then annually. And it's just, it just goes round and round and round and it never ends. I'm interrupting this episode to let you know that today is sponsored by my five-day Love Your Cycle mini course, a simplified self-paced course to teach you the foundations and fundamentals of your menstrual cycle in under a week. Receive daily educational class videos and audios along with action steps, cycle tracking guides, cycle prompts, and my Love Your Cycle 50-page ebook. This is your chance to discover everything you wish you had have been taught at school about your cycle, how to eat, how to move, honoring your emotions, and identifying PMS and your cycle signs before they arise. It's now your turn to join over thousands of women from all over the world who have taken this course to reclaim and reconnect with their bodies. And you can do this in under a week for less than a fancy vegan burger. Use the code CYCLELOVE to save 20% off at wellsome.com forward slash shop. So diving into our seasons, you know, there's the peak of summer, um, which we chatted about before, might be aligning with our full moon time. So when everybody, you know, there's so many parties in summer. We just want to party. We're just like, woo. Um, <laughs> and we can align that with the, the time of our cycle when we're feeling our most juicy, our most vibrant, our most like wanting to sort of go out in the world. We make all our plans and then, you know, maybe in winter or, or when we're at the dark end of the cycle, we're like, oh, why did I make all those plans? I'm actually so tired. Um, so That happens to people in their menstrual cycle and in the annual cycle. Too. Oh, my gosh. Like a it's lot. So and I also, I also think in summer, a lot of people now, two, there's two types of summer. So you've got Northern Hemispherean summer, and I think they get a little bit more of a chill summer than what we do because their summer break is just summer. Whereas in the Southern Hemisphere, we, and I won't go on a rant about this because you and I could probably rant about this for a long time, but we celebrate our summer season whilst we're also celebrating the beginning of the Gorgarian calendar year. We're also celebrating the turn of the winter festival of Christmas or Christ yes. or St. Nick, as people like to call yes. it if they like giving gifts. Oh my gosh. And so we're celebrating a lot of core winter festivals at the peak of our summer and so we have this fire on fire season, you know, in traditional Chinese medicine call summer the fire season. It's like fire on fire and that just creates what? More fire. Yeah. And so I know a Hold lot of on. people who like overcommit in summer and that's where we can get really burnt out. And I think that's quite common for people in the Southern Hemisphere more so than what I've heard in the Northern Hemisphere because I think people love the summer so much, but then also people in the Southern Hemisphere feel like they haven't had a summer because they've been too busy to catch up with all their friends or they haven't had a break. You know, they get to the end yeah. of their summer break and they're like, oh my God, I still need a holiday after my holiday. And I've done, no like, I feel like I've totally. done nothing for myself. <laughs> totally. It's not a restful time. Like, even though you might be like sitting on the beach and like, you know, sunbaking or whatever, it's like, it's just full on socializing and it's hot and it's intense. And it's just like, our bodies are just like, oh, they're craving like 
deep nourishment. And so, yeah, and we're celebrating Yule or Christmas um, at a time when, you know, our ancestors, if you've got Celtic ancestry like myself, uh, we're celebrating Yule, which is traditionally a Christmas festival. So we've got all the snow globes and the snowmen and, you know, all that sort of paraphernalia. Santa then, wears a beanie, oh my coat, boots and long pants with fur on them. So it's quite interesting, like, when we start to reflect on this, and I know when I first learned about this a few years ago, I was like, yeah, this kind of doesn't make sense. And you can also look at that there's two other festivals that you know of as well that we celebrate in reference to the Northern Hem- Hemispherean calendar, but we celebrate them at the Southern Hemispherean time based on the Northern Hemisphere. And it kind oh, yeah, of don't get me has, started. Has this, we're going on a rant, but I think this is a good topic and we can kind of maybe wrap up our cycles and cycles with this is that actually let's go to where and how this happened. So okay, okay. our Northern Hemispherean friends moved to the South because of the discovery of the lands of the South that were already inhibit, yeah. like inhabited by other people. Um, and at this time, those other people were quite different to the Northern Hemispherean people in how they lived and how they dressed and their, you know, what they did with their time, et cetera. And so in this moment, a lot of the Northern Hemispherians who came to colonize in, we'll, we'll say Western colonized, the Southern parts of um, the country or not the country, sorry, the world brought their Northern Hemispherian festivals and they brought yep. with them their festivals and they brought with them knowing that they all had always done this festival on the 21st of December, or they'd always done this festival at this time of July or June or August or September or February or March. And so there was no alternation or change based on the changing seasons. And back then maybe they didn't know the Southern Hemisphere was different to the Northern Hemisphere like we do today. (laughs) But at the same time, we still live in accordance to that. And one example is that we celebrate a spring festival in the Southern Hemisphere's autumn, which is called Easter, which is also known as? Yeah, Ostara. Ostara, which sounds very similar to Easter, right? So what's your two (laughs) cents on this, these cycles within the cycles and how we are all cyclical and we have cyclical festivals of the year? Yeah, it's it's wild. And I believe this is how we have lost our way as a society. We're not connected to nature. Like, look at what we've done to our beautiful country. You know, we came and we cleared, like my ancestors certainly um, came and we cleared the lands. We didn't see the value in this landscape. We didn't see the value in our local people. We didn't see the value in, you know, the bush medicine and the foods and the plethora of superfoods that we have in our backyards. You know, our ancestors turned their nose up at them and and said, oh, you know, what the Aboriginal people are eating is dirty and disgusting and um, you know, they're animals and they weren't seen as as you know members of society until really really recently in history so I really believe this is the core of a lot of our problems in society and if we just connect back in with the natural cycles like the true natural cycles and we won't be celebrating these um, essentially Christian uh, festivals and um, at the wrong time of year so yeah you know Halloween Halloween being celebrated in spring as opposed to in autumn as we're about to dive into winter it's like a death festival day of the dead um it is, celebration it's all, we were... like all hallows eve is where oh, halloween oh. comes from and that's why oh we have pumpkins because it's an autumn time and that's when pumpkins grow we're fishing for pumpkins in spring yeah so they're not can... ripe here yeah and they're tiny compared to how big they are you know manifested over the summer to be harvested at um yeah. at the autumn time so Mm. Yeah. So if we, you know, I'm encouraging everybody to sort of like locate where you are in the world and look at the traditional ceremonies that you're celebrating, you know, yeah, Christmas is a classic one, Halloween, um, which has begun to be celebrated in Australia now a lot more. We never used to have it. It's very um, American festival. Um, and, you know, look at it and just go, well, does this make sense? Like, is this seasonally appropriate? And um, I know a lot of friends now with kids, they're sort of, they're really getting them to understand that, oh, okay, like, yes, everybody else is celebrating this time, but we can celebrate Halloween, you know, at in autumn time as well. Like maybe they do go and have a little celebration with their friends, but also acknowledging um, the true, um, yeah, Day of the Dead or Hallow's Eve um, in autumn time and celebrating with pumpkins when it's seasonally appropriate. 
and also looking to, you know, our abundance of local foods we have here and our Aboriginal um, custodians had so many festivals around different food harvests. There's like the bunyanut harvest, the mullet harvest, the mullet run, when the whale's coming in. And there's so many amazing local native fruits and vegetables that, you know, we just don't know about. So yeah, I encourage everybody to find out in your local area. Yeah, how you can celebrate in in touch with the seasons and that will make our bodies happy. Our bodies will be like, oh, this makes sense. I'm eating this food and it's medicine because it's seasonally appropriate. The food's really nourishing for us and um, yeah, it makes sense in our bodies and it's how our ancestors lived. And how do you think that helps women and menstruators support their cycle? I'd love to get your outlook on this. Oh, it's massive, I think. I think it's really a missing piece of the puzzle. And if you've got a lot of health issues, like I have quite a lot of, in the past, I had quite a lot of reproductive health issues. I was diagnosed with endometriosis and I've had a lot of pain, a lot of pain during sex, a lot of scar tissue, um, irregular cycles, heavy bleeding, you name it. And, you know, I think that if I had known about this when I was younger, I would be much more healthful version of myself now. Like I've been working on my health a lot over the last 10 years. And this has been one of the most key pieces for me is connecting in with the cycles of nature and connecting in with my menstrual cycle, particularly. So now these days, you know, just looking at the moon and really getting to know my cycle and tracking my cycle and then overlaying that with, um, I use the temp drop thermometer to look at my temperature. So I'm looking at when my temperature spikes and, you know, what my progesterone's doing and what my estrogen's doing. And I didn't know this stuff when I was younger. And now that I know it, I'm like, oh my God, everybody needs to know this stuff. Because <laughs> it's so, it's so like easily available now for one, but it is so important whether you're a menstruating person or not to just connect in with the cycles because it completely radically changes our health and our hormones and everything that's connected to to our cycles um, in the human body. So one thing can I add to that is that totally. what we don't realize is that, you know, our production of FSH actually can be triggered by light and yep. it can be triggered particularly by moonlight and then angle of the natal moon, the moon in which you're born under the angle. So I'm talking about the ascending moon or the descending moon or star sign. I'm talking about the exact angle between the earth, the sun, and the moon at the time you were born. And that angle can change and influence hormonal structure. And I think the more we can connect with nature, the more we can amplify and better understand ourselves. But a lot of for a lot of people, that can seem quite challenging. And so I like to encourage people to connect with your own cycle first, allow yeah. that to be an inspiration connect with the inner seasons of yourself and then start to look at the outer seasons and how they respond or could be quite similar. What's your, yeah, anything to add that. to that that you think would be worthwhile for our listeners? I love that. And I think they come hand in hand because it's, you know, a big problem these days is that people aren't empowered to make decisions about their health. People don't have sovereignty over their own health. You know, they're, they're waiting for an expert or a doctor or somebody else to tell them, what's going on in their body. And, you know, as women, as menstruators, as people on this planet, like we're so in tune to what's going on inside our bodies as well as outside of our bodies. And we just need to remember how bloody powerful we are. Mm. Like we are so powerful and we're so intuitive actually when we strip away a lot of the noise and a lot of the busyness and a lot of the technology and the distractions we're actually so in tune, just like a child is, you know, a baby tells you what they need, right? We don't lose that ability as adults. We just sort of get too busy that we don't listen to ourselves. So remember that you're super intuitive and powerful and you can connect in with your cycles. And it's as simple as, yeah, just connecting with the sun and the moon and connecting with nature on a physical level as well, going barefoot, like literally put your feet on the ground. <laughs> like I know you love you love wearing bare feet as well. I love not wearing um, shoes. I, I can be that yeah, person yeah. in the shopping center. I don't mind. <laughs> <laughs> so like literally connecting with the ground, just like our ancestors have done forever, um, can really bring a balance to your body. And it it sounds pretty crazy. It sounds 
like too far-fetched or too woo-woo, but if we just bring it right back to basics and think about how your ancestors lived, um, yeah, we can't get it wrong because we've just really overcomplicated everything and it's all too, if you listen to all these health experts, it's like, oh my gosh, I don't know which way to go. But I think giving people sovereignty over their own body yeah, so I yeah, totally echo what you say, but I'm um, connecting with yourself first and then looking at how you fit in to the world and, and what your body's telling you. Like, is it leading you down this path? Is it leading you down this path? Like there's so many people walking around who don't sort of know their place or their role on earth and um, you know, how your soul chooses to sort of to move in the world, you know, is really important. Like we we like having a sense of purpose and you know, we like helping people and we want to be acknowledged and seen and we want to belong to community. We want to belong to a sisterhood. Yep. So, um, but yeah, connecting in with your own cycles firstly is amazing. And then, you know, looking all around us, like spending time in the garden, looking at the cycles of your own garden on a micro level, you know, if you've got a little balcony, you know, growing your herbs, um, connecting with the cycles of those herbs and then, you know, looking at the the outer ecology or moving outside your little little apartment zone and, and going out and going, wow, what's going on in the world out there? Oh, um, so sad. <laughs> it's so sad for me when my coriander or cilantro, depending on where you live in the world, goes to seed and I'm like, no, it's not the seed. Missed it. Oh, <laughs> just, just, you missed it. Surrender. <laughs> like you've just got total surrender. You can't, you can't force food to grow in times of the year when it's not designed to grow in that climate or that time. Yeah. So- oh my gosh. Something really important that I want to add actually is we can't do these things on our own. So, you know, we can do things on our own. We're like amazing, powerful humans, right? Like we can do shit. We can be alone in the bush and we can survive you know, if we had to, but it's like, we don't need to struggle, right? We have our community and our sisters. And the most important thing that that I've a tool that I've used to learn about all these things is to get a mentor, get a really amazing mentor, whether that's, you know, someone in your community or someone online. Um, a lot of people say to me all the time, like, how do you know all this stuff about animals or how do you know all this stuff about nature? I'm like, I hang out with people who are beautiful and pass their wisdom on to me, like often older women. And, um, I'm just listening. I'm just like soaking up like a sponge, sponge. just all this juicy information. And then I can pass that on to people, you know, now and when I'm older in my life and when I'm in my MAGA phase and when I'm a crone, when, you know, I'm an elder. So um, I just want to shout out to my beautiful mentors in my life who've taught me so much. Jade Hardwick Collings from the School of Shamanic Women Craft who um, taught me all about how these cycles are connected. So I was already, you know, I was doing it, but it's just like I hadn't put it all together. It's like, oh, my gosh, it just makes so much sense. And she's just such a wise woman and so open to sharing with everybody. She's such a sage um, essence, isn't she? She is. She's going to love that. And, if, you, um, if you haven't listened to this, Jane, you're yeah, such a sage essence. Yeah. Shout out to Jane. Um, and also my mentor, Kate Ridge, who's beautiful, beautiful woman from Gumbangia country. She runs Nature Philosophy, and I did my Nature Connection teacher training with uh, with her, and um, she just took me to Arnhem Land to see her Aboriginal family up there, and we spent time weaving with the women up there. And, you know, I've learned so much from her about um, how to embrace my feminine power and, yeah, just really empowered me and getting connected with nature and myself on a deeper level and my life. Will never be the same now that I know this information, particularly from those two mentors. But I've had so many amazing mentors in my life. So if you're sort of new to all of this and you're like, where do I start? Um, yeah, get in touch with a local community near you who does nature connection work or shamanic um women craft work. Yeah. Follow follow Super Caitlin important. online. She's got amazing <laughs> stories. And I'm always like, I tell people about you all the time. I'm like, oh, here's her, here's a link to her Instagram bio. Come to my um, workshop. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I think it's, yeah, it's really, it's particularly in Australia, it's quite what we could call a lost art, but it's actually just an undiscovered art, I feel, for a lot of um, people who are, are not traditional, you know, custodians of the land. I think that 
it's just a, an undiscovered. And when I discovered it, because I don't like, I wouldn't call it I learned it, like I discovered it for myself um, yeah. through like traveling and learning and reading and meeting people like you, like that rediscovery is really, really fascinating. And yeah, there's lots of places you can learn from. And I'm going to make sure we include all of your links in our bio show notes. So tell us, how can people connect with you? Like, I've got two more questions I want to ask you, but while we're talking about it, like, what's the best place for them to go? Okay. What is Caitlin's Instagram handle? And where can I learn more about her? She also has an amazing map. I can't show you, but it's on my wall in my office. <laughs> and I love hanging out the Wild Cycles map um, by your business, Life, Life Wild. So tell us, how can people actually find you if they want to learn more about you and your work in this area? Yeah, yeah. Please come and find me. I'm super approachable and I love just like going out bushwalking with anybody who's <laughs> like, I need to go bushwalking. I'm like, I will take you to this awesome spot. Um, but yeah, if you're in the Northern Rivers, um, I'm Wild Search on Instagram. So just at Wild Search. My business name is Life Wild. And yeah, I like when I got all this cycle stuff sort of explained to me, I was like, I need like a visual representation of this. And I was just mucking around one night and I just made this map um, that is a really sort of pretty way to tie it all together. And it's got all the cycles of the sun, the moon, like north, south, east, west, all the directions seasonal calendar time of year it overlaps with the permaculture cycles as well and the menstrual cycles and the the cycles of a woman woman's life so it's all there on an a3 poster and i tell everybody like stick it on your toilet door so that you know your partner sees it and your kids like what's that and um, all your visitors yeah put it on your fridge or behind your toilet door um you can laminate it um, yeah, so I made those posters just as a way that I can remember to connect to what's important. And uh, I thought I would share that with everybody as well. Um, yeah, I, I run workshops in weaving and wild food foraging as well. If you're interested in learning about those things, I take people on hiking adventures as well. And uh, yeah, working with a group called Nature Culture, um, running these beautiful immersive nature programs for women called the Wild Women Immersion. And the next one's in May. It goes for 10 days. And um, yeah, if you want a transformative experience in nature and you really want to shake up your your life, you're feeling <laughs> a bit stuck, Disconnect, come along. It's, to reconnect, oh, as we say. That's right. It's so much fun. Um, yeah, we did. We collected everybody's phones um, voluntarily. We said, who wants to give over their phones for the week? And everyone's like throwing their phones at me. Yeah, so it was really beautiful, beautiful time. I actually just want to do that all the time. I just want to sit in the forest with fellow humans who just froth on nature with me. So, um, yeah, come and hang out in the Northern Rivers with us. And, um, yeah, connect with me on Instagram. My website's lifewild.com.au as well. Love to hear awesome. from you. Thank you. Well, I will pop them in the show notes. Now, two questions. One question I want to ask you really quickly before we ask the last podcast question is, I would love to know what is your knowledge about menstruating on the earth and any wisdom around that that you have learned from any of your beautiful mentors or teachers mm. about giving your blood back to the earth and connecting with earth um, or country whilst menstruating. Oh, I love that. There's been a lot of conversation around that on on the socials actually. I've seen some quite negative and quite positive um, feedback about that. But my personal opinion is that menstruators have been putting their blood on the earth for as long as humans have existed. Um, and this is the blood that, you know, makes our babies like it's the beautiful endometri endometrial lining and it's so important for nourishing life. And um, there's nothing wrong with it. There's nothing dirty about it. It's not, you know, full of toxins. Like people say, it's beautiful, beautiful, nourishing fertilizer for the earth and we have this communion with earth where you know when we breathe out carbon dioxide plants breathe that in and then they give us oxygen we breathe that in right so we're in total communion with the plants as animals um, and so us bleeding in the earth is just us fertilizing the plants and of course when we die we're just eaten by the worms and eaten by the plants and you know, we eat the plants and it's all one big cycle. Yeah, so I'm totally for it. I think it's amazing. 
I know Jane, our mentor, is like a really big advocate for women bleeding on the earth, and it's actually going to lift the consciousness of the of planet Earth. And I'm like, yes, um, I think it's so powerful. And um, if you can possibly, whether you catch it in a cup or if you have your um, uh, undies, like I love using, I love using the menstrual underwear. That's my favorite, life changing. Um, and you know, you can rinse it out in a bucket and pour it on your plants outside. Um, yeah, I think the more women that are and menstruators who are bleeding on the earth, you know, the happier the earth will be. That's definitely my opinion. <laughs> mm, I love that. I love that. It's great to hear different people's understanding or, um, you know, thoughts or feelings around it um, because it is really, really powerful and something I'll add is that, you know, our menstrual blood when we have a healthy bleed. So I'm not talking about a bleed that's extremely dark and black that's been quite stagnant for a few cycles, but a healthy menstrual bleed also is very rich in stem cells. And we can utilize those whether we are painting our face with a face mask or whether we are putting it, you know, on sores. I've done this in the past. You know, if I've had a burn or a cut or something, I've been using that as, you know, along with honey outside of my menstrual time to help replenish my my skin. But at the same time, we can also give that back to the earth where it's really well needed. So I love that. Thank you for sharing. All right, last podcast question. Yeah. I'd love to hear your thoughts. We ask every guest this question. What are three things you wish you had have known when you started menstruating that you now know today? What are three things yeah. you had to know when you started menstruating that you now know today? Just that there's nothing wrong with my bodily functions. There's nothing wrong with me. You know, so many of my um, sort of reproductive dysfunctions were becoming apparent when I started menstruating and all these doctor's visits and, you know, everyone's like, oh, there's something wrong with you. And as a teenager, it's just like, what? What? There's something wrong with me. And I got this real anxiety around medical issues. And I would just love to tell my younger self that like, there's nothing wrong with you, beautiful girl. Like you're perfect just the way that you are. And, um, you know, you might need help releasing some of this tension that you're experiencing and some of these stresses. And I just didn't have the tools to be able to let that energy flow through my body. And so I got stuck. I believe that's, you know, what caused my dis-ease in my body was this energy getting stuck that I didn't know how to use, move. Mm. Um, yeah. And number two is probably just, yeah, just connecting with the cycles. Like I had no idea about all of this stuff. I wish somebody told me about this when I was in high school. I wish like they talked about it every day because it wouldn't have been enough if just, you know, someone came and had one talk to the girls, you know, I wish this was part of my childhood and growing up. And I wish this was something that my mother had known and my grandmother had known, but you know, all this information was sort of sort of hidden from us whether you know intentional or not um so I wish I knew that connecting with the cycles was really really important um and I also wish that I that I had mentors earlier on and now I'm really feeling that the power of that now Mm. how important mentorship is in my life and being in community so after trying to do everything alone you know, in my 20s, it was all about my solo pursuits and I'm going to hike 200 kilometers by myself and I'm going to do this by myself and I'm a strong woman. Um, I think, yeah, the true definition of a strong woman for me is someone who can rest in community and can, you know, support other people, especially young people, um, and not doing it alone. I think, yeah, I would have really thrived at a much younger age if I had known those things. But um, here I'm floundering around in my 30s, just trying to like learn all the things. And um, yeah. That's beautiful. I love it. Three things I also wish I had have known. It took me a long time to to do that. I didn't do any 200 kilometer hikes alone, but um, <laughs> definitely, you know, in my maiden trying to do the things that you don't really have to do. And I think it's all very humbling for everybody listening. So thank you so much for being here and sharing some of your wisdom about cyclical nature and the cycles within the cycles and how nature cycles can connect with our menstrual cycle and how it can help us amplify our connection with our menstrual cycle. I'm so, so honored and privileged. And I just love you with all of my heart, dear, dear place of my heart, sister. And thank you. I'm so, so blessed that you had the had the chance to be here and um, you could make the time for us. So thank you. Oh, thank you, Gemma. I love you too. 
Thank you so much for tuning into every episode of the Well Woman podcast. For everything we mentioned in today's episode, you can find this in the show notes over at wellsome.com forward slash podcast. If this episode excited you, please hit follow on Spotify, which means all of my episodes will pop up in your feed weekly so you never miss a weekly drop. I'd love you to leave a review on Apple Podcasts too. Love this episode? Come and follow me over on Instagram at wellsome underscore Gemily. Say hi and share what you've taken away from this episode with me. Now, is there a bestie, sister, or a friend who you know who might be fed up, frustrated, and confused with their cycles? Are they ready to join you in awakening their cyclical essence too? Well, take a screenshot of this podcast episode, share it on your socials, email it, text it, or any way you need to get it to them. So together, we can all live in flow, harmony, and balance with our cycles. Now, until next time, beautiful, get connected, listen to your body, and remember, body confidence all begins with living in tune with your menstrual cycle.